Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high a dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is a reading of Psalm 91. Good morning, everybody. And uh, I'm Pastor Mark on the team here. And I want to uh, reference a picture of my mother. And she's beautiful. And we're going to get to that a little bit later this morning. But just so you know who that is. Uh, I wanted to reflect on the Psalms this morning. And here's, here's how I'd like to do that. Uh, part of my job is to give knowledge about this book. And, but more than that is to impart a love for this book. And, um, I want you to know that I, I don't always have a love for it the way I would want to. And when I feel that dryness in my soul, when I feel uh, distant from God's word to us, the place that I go, the place that I've gone for years is the Psalms. And so uh, to hit the reset button in my walk with God, I go to the Psalms. I've been doing, it's just part of who I am. So uh, three things about the Psalms before we get into them that I want you to know. One is that it's okay to have a favorite part of scripture. This is one of my favorite parts of scripture. And it was also a favorite part of scripture, it seems, for Jesus. He quotes from the Psalms as much as anywhere else that he quotes from. The other one would be Isaiah, but the Psalms are right up there. So it's okay to have a favorite place to go. And uh, secondly, the Psalms are there theologically rich for us. In other words, they tell us a lot about God, but they're also psychologically rich. They expose a lot of what's going on in us, particularly our human emotions, our fears and our longings and all that, that our anger, our stuff that's in there comes out and it gets processed in a healthy way. And we can actually turn those feelings into prayers. And that's what we find in the Psalms. So that's the second thing. The third thing, and this is where I'm going to go this morning, is that the Psalms can enter into your scrapbook of life, your storybook of life. They can imprint your soul as you live out your life and you find that Psalm that is uh, a part of that 
chapter of your life. And there are psalms that leave tread marks on, on your soul. Uh, and Psalm 91 is one of those for me. And so what I, what I hope to get out this morning is, for all of us would be to, to exhibit um, some knowledge about this psalm. We're going we're gonna to start with that, but then get into the love for this psalm that I have, that I want you to have, or another psalm or another part of scripture that uh, you, you absolutely love as part of your life story, journey, scrapbook. So we're going to start with uh, the first six verses of this psalm, and then I'm going to get into how this has be- been imprinted upon my soul, kind of my story. I'm going to talk about my mom a bit, and then we'll reflect a little more deeply at, at the end. So to begin, I'm just going to read and make a few comments on these first six verses. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And that is just beautiful poetry. Uh, dwell, to dwell, isn't that a wonderful word? It means to linger, to hang out, and to do that in the shelter. Think of sheltering in place with God, if that's helpful to you, the language of our day. And he is referred to as the Most High. Uh, there are other things that are big in our lives, things that are either good or bad that are big, but he is the most high. And so the psalm writer acknowledges that. And then we find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, to In Middle Eastern culture where this was written, a shadow would be a very wonderful place to get relief from the hot sun. And so, and the Almighty here is that Hebrew word, El Shaddai, the Almighty God in whom we find rest in his shadow. So that's kind of a general statement that gets us into the psalm. And now he's going to get very personal. He's going to use an I will statement. And then we're going to go to a he will, referring to God. And then he's going to invite others in, into the you will. So pay attention to those three movements. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I will say of Yahweh, the personal name of God. He is my refuge, my refuge, my God in whom I trust. This is his statement of faith. And he's in a good place right now. Whoever wrote this is in a wonderful place. He is, he's ripe with vibrant spirituality, which hopefully we can all know what that feels like at times in our lives. And we want to share it with others. So he moves on then to invite others into that, but he begins by talking about what God will do. Verse 3, surely he will save you. That that would mean God will save you from the fowler's snare. That would mean from people who are out to get you. And from the deadly pestilence. Now there's a word that means disease. Okay, so that should have some resonance with where we are today. And here's a a beautiful image that verse 4 gives us. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. I want to just make a comment here about Hebrew. The Hebrew language is very rich with metaphor. And um, 
you, you metaphor in the way the Hebrews did it, and it's what we do, but they did it theologically. And if they saw something that was absolutely wonderful, they would say, that is what God is like. So they might look at Mount Rainier and say, that is like God. It's so majestic. And um, we find metaphor very helpful to us. The Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, is a scientific precise language. The Hebrew language is more earthy and gives you just these images. It's very, it lends itself to poetry. Uh, the Greek language is actually the root of the word corona, which we're kind of tired of hearing, is in, the, in a Greek word. So a lot of our medical terms come from uh, the Greek language, and not many from the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language is um, more pictorial. And so if I wanted to say to uh, say my wife, I just tell her how much I love her, how my heart would pounds for her would be a, a, something I might want to say. If I were uh, doing it with kind of a Greek motif, I would say, you know, uh, honey, I've, I've taken my pulse and uh, it's risen from 60 beats per minute up to 90 beats per minute. And that tells you how much I love you. Whereas the Hebrew way of saying that would be, my heart is beating like a big drum, like a, a, a drum roll. And the closer I get to you, the faster it beats and the louder it gets. And I think I know that my wife would prefer the Hebrew method to the Greek method. But you see the point here, that's what metaphor does for you. It allows you to express things in that way. Now, what's interesting about this particular metaphor, we're hovering over it here for a second, is that most of the metaphors in the Psalms are masculine in terms of imagery. And so we have these strong, in, in this Psalm, we have these strong words like fortress and rampart and shield and elsewhere, maybe God is comes to us as a warrior or as a king. And those all have masculine uh, qualities, I guess you'd say about them. But here there's a tenderness and it's a, it's a feminine imagery. And God is neither male nor female. And, but to see the fullness of God, we need to listen to both the masculine and feminine as we understand them. And the tenderness of God, of a bird, a mother bird, who is gathering under her wings and covering from the elements or from predators uh, any harm to her young. That's the imagery that God reveals himself in that way to us here. It's a beautiful image, beautiful metaphor. Now, Jesus picks up this metaphor in Matthew 23, verse 37. And this is during Holy Week, which we're getting really close to, uh, probably on Tuesday of Holy Week. And he is maybe up on the mountain, uh, Mount of Olives, looking down on Jerusalem. And he says these words, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. So there's a, there's a, a longing there. And there's a sense of great tragedy there. But the longing of Jesus' heart is to be like a mother hen that gathers the people of Jerusalem under his wings. And so this imagery we find also in the person of Jesus Christ. Now there's the he will. God will do those things. He will 
save you from the fowler's snare and he will cover you with his feathers under his wings. So you will, this is for those that the psalm writer is trying to communicate with, you will not fear, in verse 5, the terror of the night. And he says four things here. The first one is you will not fear the terror of the night. And there's three other things that they will not fear. Nor the arrow that flies by day. And listen to this one. Nor the pestilence or disease that stalks in the darkness. Nor the plague that destroys at midday. And so in these six verses, three times we've heard the word either pestilence or plague. Uh, meaning there was some threat of disease uh, to the writer and to Israel during this time. Well, I want to I want to get to uh, how this psalm has uh, been imprinted on my heart, and I want to um, talk about my mom. She was born in 1919 on Mercer Island. And um, if you know anything about history, and you've probably heard this recently, the Spanish flu was, uh, this was towards the tail end of it, but at six months old, she contracted the Spanish flu, that which ended up killing 50 million people in our world. And um, her mother, particularly, I, I know this part of the story better, I, her mother uh, took her to various doctors, and there was nothing really that, that they could do. And so in her desperation, and um, um, nothing like a desperate mother's heart, she took her to a Christian scientist practitioner. And this uh, person uh, prayed over my mom. And I'll, I'll give you the outcome of that in a minute. I just want to say a little bit about Christian science if you're not familiar with it. It's a bit of an odd offshoot of, um, of the Christian faith. And what makes it, in part, what makes it unique is that they, they eschew medical uh, uh, resources. And they strictly believe in a faith healing type prayer. And so uh, it was a way for her mom to say no to medicine and, and yes to God in prayer. Uh, just and just to let you know, the, the Christian tradition does has never. That's not part of who we are in the, in our general tradition. That hospitals were begun by Christians, and there's always been a a, a healthy um, back and forth between uh, the Christian faith and the, and medicine. So, but at any rate, in this case with my mom, uh, the next day after she was prayed for, she got better, and so my grandmother, who I never met. Uh, became a Christian science uh, follower. And she raised, and my grandfather raised uh, the family with Christian science at the core. And I think I get the sense it was more my grandmother than my grandfather. But so um, that's part of her life. And then I want to fast forward to when she was in her 20s. In her mid-20s, there were two things that happened. And uh, then I'll get to the, the psalm and you'll see how this all fits together. But uh, one is that her mother contracted tuberculosis. Tuberculosis, this was in the 1940s. It was probably the leading killer of people in the Seattle area. And uh, her mom, being a Christian scientist, didn't practice. Um, there, there really weren't any antibiotics for it at that time. And she didn't seek out doctors and really believed in faith that she would be healed. And 
to her dying breath, believed that. And so she died. I never met my grandmother. My mom, within a short period of time, contracted tuberculosis as well. And so here she's, she's roughly 25 years old, and she has TB. And what they did for you is they, they put you in a place called a sanatorium, which was a, a nice place where you would supposedly um, do healthy things, uh, breathe fresh air, and have healthy food, and et cetera, et cetera. She was there for two years in the Seattle area here. And at the end of those two years, uh, she was said to be good and that that was now behind her. So I just want you to know that, that this woman, uh, the Spanish flu and tuberculosis were close calls in her life. And now she's um, 27 years old. And um, this is her engagement picture. She married my dad. And um, there were, I have three siblings or four kids. And we were brought up in the Episcopal faith. And that gets me to a big leap forward here. So in 1998, uh, on Easter Sunday, I shared this a few weeks ago, but I'll share it again. I got a call from my mom. And she had, I I think, waited for Easter to let me know, because she had found out earlier, uh, that she had terminal cancer and had four to six months to live. It turned out to be about four and a half months. And um, so we took that news in, and that summer of 98, there were times that uh, I was living in Alaska, and uh, we flew down here as a family and had time with her. It was in early September that I want to focus on, and my dad called me and said, basically the time had come. And uh, I, I came down, and... Um, it was about a week that between how, how long I was here and the first part of that week, she was conscious and we had some good conversation. And then she, the last few days were, um, she was unconscious and it, it was, it was very difficult. But when I came down, I asked her if there was a particular scripture I could read to her as I was, she was at home. She was dying at home hospice and without hesitating, she picked out Psalm 91, and um, I read it to her. And she wasn't a person who talked much about her faith, but what I got from her was that this was her favorite psalm and that it brought comfort to her. And I had to kind of guess at what that might mean. As I was reading it, uh, I noticed these words that I pointed out to you earlier, uh, the pestilence and the plague and how they would stalk her, and she had cancer now. And I could see this was her enemy. And uh, as we had that, that time together, I, I read this psalm to her every day. Uh, more and more of the psalm opened itself up to me in, as to how she might be receiving it. And God being the most high was over anything else that was happening to her. That there was a refuge that she could go to. That she could come under his wings. All of these things became not just words on a page, but images that filled my heart, that had this imprint on my soul. And as I continued to read this to her uh, during those last few days, where I, as far as I could tell, she wasn't conscious. And as she was laboring between life and death, the one who labored to bring me into life, the words of this psalm just became embedded in me in a deeper way. And I, wanted, I just wanted to share that with you, that this is how these psalms can function 
in our lives. At the end of that time, um, we read this at her memorial service. And I would just say I'm so thankful for my mom for adding this to my life, amongst other things. And I'm thankful for God who used this psalm to um, enrich my life and bless me. So that's my that's my imprint story of, of Psalm 91. But there's a little bit more, and it, it requires some deeper reflection, and so I'd like to finish with that. Uh, one of the things this psalm does that's a little bit puzzling is that it really promises a lot. I mean, it promises protection and it, the, the salvation and the protection. Uh, no, in verse uh, 8 and 9, uh, or verse 9, uh, that no harm will come to you. Uh, no harm will befall you. No disaster will ever come near you. And yet I'm looking at my mom and it sure looks like harm and it sure looks like disaster. And so there has to be, and this is, this is really important to get this psalm, I think. There has to be a deeper meaning to it as well. I'm not saying that that first meaning. And look, if you look at her life, I mean, she was saved when she was a baby. <laughs> and, and at least it seems that way. And then in, in her mid-20s as well from both the Spanish flu and TB. But right now, I mean, she's, she's resigned to die. And yet this psalm is bringing great comfort to her. How's that working? This psalm has an odd feature to it. It may not be a feature that a psalm would want to have about it, but it's the only psalm or the only place in Scripture that the devil quotes. So I'm going to take you to the New Testament where Jesus is being tempted by the devil, and the devil actually quotes verses uh, 11 and 12 to Jesus. And uh, he, he takes Jesus up to the, a high place, and he says, just throw yourself down because... Uh, to read verse 11 for you. For God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's what the devil says to Jesus. The only place in scripture we know that the devil actually quotes scripture. And Jesus resists, obviously, the devil. Um, he, he, he knows, Jesus knows, it seems, that the end of his earthly road ends with a cross and that that cross means death and that that's his destiny. Just as my mom knew that she was dying and that there has to be something in this psalm that goes beyond death. And Jesus knew that about this psalm and he wasn't going to give in to the devil's misinterpretation or different interpretation of the psalm. Let me read for you the way the psalm ends, the last three verses. Now, this is God's voice in the psalm. God finally speaks, and you're going to hear what he says. And I'm going to take liberty here and put it into the feminine instead of the masculine, just in honoring my mom. Because he loves me, says the Lord. So this is the Lord talking. So I would say, because she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue her I will protect her, for she acknowledges my name. She will call upon me, and I will answer her. I will be with her in trouble. I will be with her in trouble. I will deliver her and honor her with long life, and will satisfy her and show her my salvation. Those are beautiful words of promise from God himself, and they're part of what my mom heard each day 
And I hope that was part of what she took in as she felt God's arms surrounding her, moving from this life to the next. A few months after my mom passed away, I came down to visit my dad, who was um, really struggling with, after 48 years of marriage, with um, loneliness, and he loved my mom deeply. He missed her greatly. And it was a very human moment when he asked me as, as his son, and who's a pastor, um, he asked me the question, do you think your mother is in heaven? And I, I, it's, it's a difficult, I, it's above my pay grade to answer that question, quite frankly. I uh, always say something like that, but I just said that there's mysteries that we don't know for sure. And so we walk by faith, we walk in hope, and we walk in love. And um, what we do know, because the Bible tells us, and it's right here in Psalm 91, is that God's character, his predisposition, is to be merciful and is to love us. And that is the psalm, that is the message of this psalm that has been imprinted upon my heart. And the image of my mother being under the cover of his wings, safe in the arms of God, is something that is going to always be there with me. And Psalm 91 (laughs) is full of life. I'd like to lead us in a prayer now, if you'll join me. Let's pray together. And I want to read some of these uh, words from the psalm again and allow them to be the uh, raw material for our prayer. So let's enter in. He or she who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Run those words past your heart. Is that is that you? Are you resting in the shadow of the Almighty? dwelling, abiding, lingering with the Most High God? Do you have a sense that you are under his wing, that he is covering you? You Your refuge is under his wing. Because he or she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue them. I will protect. I will save. Can you grab on to those words and let them be yours? I love you, Lord. Rescue me, save me, protect me. The invitation of God is to come and to find shelter in him, to find rest in him, to find refuge in him. And if you wanted to do that right now, either in a new way or in a deeper way, if there's something that you want to say to God, about your response to his grace. You can do that right now. Just say, Lord, I love you. I want more of you. I want you to protect me. I'm struggling with fears. Whatever it is, you can pour out your heart just as a psalmist pours out his heart and come to that place of deeper trust in him. Father, you hear our hearts. You hear our prayers. You are the one God. You are the one who saves. You are the one who protects. You are the one who invites. 
We come to you now through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you.